0: Spending a whole year looking on parenting, uh, I thought it would be important just to begin with a foundation. Uh, and today, tonight's thing—if you saw the outline—what is the title of tonight's thing? This is the foundation for the next eleven months on parenting. So, uh, the first session is titled what? Yeah, desiring our kids' salvation. Okay, that's what it's going to be about. Okay. So I want to begin with this question: What is your greatest priority for your kids? Uh, some of us is sometimes it can feel parenting our biggest priority is just to make yeah, yeah. it through the next meal. You guys ever been to that place yeah. where you're just looking to just get one meal at a time? and You're like, oh wow, we're at lunch already. <laughs> oh wow. Only <okay>. at <laughs> lunch. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I know that sometimes happen. Uh, you know that's uh, you know sometimes you have to take a day at a time, especially when they're very very little. Uh, but I also want to go over what is your greatest priority in the big picture? Okay. What do you desire the most for your kids? Is it for them to have a good job? Uh, is it to take care so they would be able to take care of you when you're old? Older? That sounds very Chinese, right? Okay. Is also uh, contribute to society or be independent? Now, none of those things are wrong, right? None of those things are wrong. In fact, actually, I think good parenting would eventually want your kids to be independent, uh, contribute to society, get a good job, and be responsible, right? And be able to have kids and hopefully parent also as well, that kind of thing. But I think step back is what should even be our greatest priority? And I think the greatest priority would then shape all those other things also as well. And I would actually say that our greatest priority should be actually desiring our kids to be saved, okay? Uh, I thought we'd begin here um, just because I think uh, even for myself, even thinking about it this week, more I was thinking about like, oh, I wanted to talk about discipline and even how do I discipline and think about better. But I thought like, hey, we got to, you know, we don't want to have behavior modification, right? Our kids just obey just because we're bigger, stronger, and all that. Because one day, guess what happened? Our kids will be what? Bigger, stronger, bigger, stronger, right? Uh, one day, you cannot spank them so easily when you go to the mall, like right now. That example, okay? So we want to go over the deeper issue, especially if we're Christians. We want to go by the Bible, and one of the biggest priority we need to think about is what people's salvation, okay? So today we're gonna to see seven reasons. That's a lot. How many reasons? Seven. Why we should set our priorities of desiring our children's salvation and how we parent, okay? By the way, I also think the more gospel-centered, the more we think about their salvation and the way we parent, I think the better we are as parents, okay? Uh, I think uh, for myself, reading non-Christian uh, parenting book, they have some good advice, but I feel it never goes deep enough, especially when they get into that funny mode about like... Um, like confidence, or whatever else, or even like sometimes, uh, like I'm not for the idea, like to be feel as worse as possible, but at the same time, I think the root of the issue, uh, why I feel secure is really my security is based on my identity and where in Christ, what Christ has done for me, that kind of thing. Okay, so in light of this, these are the seven reasons, okay, uh, why we must parent with the biggest priority of thinking in, the, in our mind about their salvation. Okay, now there's a part where. Salvation, yes, is the work of God But also we do have responsibility of what? Being as best of a witness as possible to the kids In both life and in words, okay? So these are the seven reasons why this should be our greatest priority, okay? So before you parent them to send them to Harvard Nothing wrong with going to Harvard, okay? Nothing wrong with going to Harvard, okay? Please make it very clear, okay? But at the same time, the greatest motive is what? It's bigger desire is we want our kids to be saved, Okay? And I, should really, I hope tonight we'll be convicting But I don't want to just be convicted. I want to be convicted so that we would actually change In the way we parent In a deeper heart level Okay, These are seven reasons Why we should focus on the priority of our children's salvation And how we parent Number one, hell is a real place for sinners Hell is a real place for sinners Number two, we should already desire All people to come to Christ we should already desire all that right? For all people to come to Christ Number three, all parents should desire What's best for their kids but each one will unpack A little bit more How does it is to connect to salvation Okay uh, Number four Jesus does not want us To hinder children Coming to Him mm, Right Okay Number five Stumbling little children Is a serious penalty Okay Stumbling little children Is a serious penalty Number six It is so important Believers are called To continue to be married To even non-believers For the sake of Children's salvation Okay For the sake of Whose salvation children's salvation okay say oh right you how many when was the last time you heard, download sermon audio and listen to like an american sermon that say say in marriage for the kids salvation"? that sounds more must say that sounds more asian right say only for the kids right hey there's a sense it's biblical we'll see that later on okay and finally god wants kids to uh, to even silence the mockers okay so let's go to reason number one okay Reason number one. Hell's a real place for sinner. Let's turn real quick uh, to Matthew 10 28. Uh, when we turn to Matthew 10 28, could I have um, Chris, since you really love the theme of love? Matthew 1028. Would you be able to read that out loud? First? Matthew 10 28. Aww. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it's okay, sorry. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy soul and body in hell. Yeah. Thank you for reading that. Uh we all read the verse before, we've seen this verse before, sometime in our Christian life, I hope. Uh, Jesus here is speaking and he's talking about what we should fear, okay? Contrary to certain t-shirts people wear of no fear, there are certain things we should fear, okay? Look at what Jesus says. He makes a distinction between killing the body and killing the soul, okay? As two different things. Now, humans could kill the body, okay? But then the second line, Jesus explained a a little bit more that there's something worse than physical death. You know what that is? That's when our soul and body are cast into where? Hell itself, okay? Notice hell and death are, uh, uh, are distinguished as two different things. Do you guys know anybody or any uh, so-called Christian group that say there's no such thing as hell? Do you guys know anyone like that? That some people reinterpret, especially what? Seven day what? Adventists. They'll say there's no such thing as hell. Okay? They'll say hell is basically death. But if you look here, Jesus makes it very clear. There's a difference, right? Which is worse? death or is it our soul cast into the body death of the uh, spirit killing of the soul or, or our body and soul cast into hell cast into yeah hell. okay so you see if, if there's comparison obviously they're distinct but here I think one of the reasons why we should definitely parent a gospel centered way to hope for their salvation is because of what is because of the fact the reality of what People do go to hell Okay. By the way I know we don't normally Hear the word hell When we think about kids And stuff like that Kids ministry But I think it is biblical Yes Who taught the most on hell? Jesus Christ Okay And if we don't Sometimes I think We need a wake up call Sometimes I think Why American Christianity We have so much problem. Sometimes I think you know This year was my most Dramatic year In terms of drama of ch- church ministry And you know what The reality is sometimes I think is reality Is people just forgot About what it's all about That God has saved us From hell That sin deserves hell, and we need to focus on that mission of sharing the gospel. If we only look at programs that want people to be a certain way, then at church, guess what happened? There'll be all these infighting, all these gossipings, right? And all these need of the pastor to say, hey, you're wrong, okay? So here we see there's a fate worse than death, and that's hell, okay? Let that sink in. Hell is worse than death. Let's go to the second passage, Matthew 13 50. Let's turn to Matthew 1350 and then uh, Nancy, would you be able to read Matthew 1350? Oh my God. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Matthew 13? 50. Yeah. Thank you for reading. Here is the description of hell, okay? It's described as a furnace of what? Of fire, okay? Um, and notice what life is like for those who are going through that. It says here there will be what? Weeping and gnashing of what? Teeth, okay? So as application... You know, like, uh, you realize when we teach the kids about the gospel, it's not just we hope they believe in a fairy tale so they will behave nicely in society, right? Uh, hopefully you believe in the gospel it will change the way you behave But nevertheless If there really is a hell That's the biggest concern Because that's what? Forever And as it says Gnashing of teeth, right? And weeping, okay? So as application what's was the last time you thought about the reality of hell? What's was the last time you actually sat down and said Hey, hell is real What is I, I need to think about this, right? Uh, for some of us It might be a long time We might be very comfortable Being in a Christian bubble Or just going through day-to-day life, okay? But we need to think about that. Secondly, have you lived your Christian life forgetting about the reality of hell? Sometimes we can't do that. We're trying to figure out doing things at church. We're trying to figure out feeding the family, clothing the kids, providing. But we must never forget the perspective of eternity, okay? Uh, Thirdly, uh, has the doctrine of hell shaped the way you even parent your kids? Uh, I think every doctrine is practical, okay? But this should change the way you even parent your kids, okay? Actually, I think if you really believe there's hell, that should even make you desire to what? Parent even worse or better? Worse or better? Even better, okay? To do what is right, to be a light to your kids, both in words and in life, okay? Uh, also, do we want our kids to go there? I, I think none of us would, right? So let us resolve to parent in such a way that we let our kids know the hope of the gospel. And also as application, have you ever talked about to your kids about the reality of hell? I think there's a time Where we need to Okay There might be a certain age But there's eventually Something we need to You know um, And it's Biblical Okay But keep it rated G For godliness Okay But here I think We do need to share About that Okay You know what um, If I could just share Sometimes I feel like Pastoring I deal with sometimes People In our church That comes from Broken home Even though sur- Suburb And everything else And I feel like I'm at this point Where I don't know how to react when people say, you know what, I don't believe because I've never seen a good model of a Christian. Now there's a part where they're responsible, but when I ask them more what do they mean? Do you see any at church? And then sometimes they'll say yeah, but I don't see it in my home. I don't see it with my dad, and I don't see it with my mom. Where no matter what I'm trying to do to convince them, apologetics, whatever else, it doesn't, because what? The impact of parents is something we must never, what, downplay, okay? So in light of the reality of this I think this is important Why we must parent Not only to have the behavior be godly To be good To do good in school That's all important But that must be dealing with the reality of hell itself first Okay Uh, And knowing this should actually make us Really take parenting very very well Seriously And we'll be convicted Over even the smallest mistake Of our parenting Because knowing of how much is at stake Knowing that even how what even bad habits come from a thousand little what? Habits, uh, steps, uh, uh, missteps, okay? So let's go to reason number two, why we should have a gospel-based parenting, okay? We should already desire that all people come to know Christ, okay? Turn with me, uh, Edward, would you be able to read 1 Timothy 2.4? 1 Timothy 2.4. <coughs> Okay, first Timothy four? 1 Timothy 2 4. First, 2 four. Who yes. desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Okay. Here Paul is writing that God desires all people to be saved. We could talk about all, what it means with all, some another time. But at the very least, we see that God wants all kinds of people. That's the way I take the word all. Various sorts of people to be saved, okay? So if salvation, of course, requires one to know the knowledge of truth, as this passage says, right? So if God desires people to be saved, what should our desire be if we want to have the same desire as God? If God desires people to be saved, what should our desire be also as well? Yeah, desire the same thing, which is all people to be saved. So we're going to look at other example of passages where believers do desire other people to be saved. Okay, uh, let's turn to Romans chapter nine verse three. Um, Margaret, would you be able to read Romans nine three? For I can wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Okay, thank you so much. This here is Paul speaking. He says he wants people to be saved, okay? We know this because what? He's a missionary, right? But when he says here, my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, he's actually talking about ethnic Jews, okay? And did you see how much he wants people to be saved? He wishes he could take their punishment when he said I could be a curse. That is go to hell. Now, you might look at us and Well, he's probably exaggerating. But look at verses one of chapter nine. He says, I am telling the truth. So he's emphasizing what he says is the truth. Then the second line says, I am not lying. To emphasize again, he's in a negative way, right? A positive way and a negative way of saying he's speaking the truth. And he says, My conscience testified with me in the Holy Spirit for the third time, saying what? Hey, my conscience is clear, this I'm speaking the truth. And number four, the Holy Spirit is testifying with me. Four different ways is <laughs> emphasizing what he's saying, in the truth. That he wants people to be saved so much, if he could go to hell instead of them, he would. Okay? So this is a noble desire, right? To see others get saved. If we see as a noble desire that others be saved, we should also have the same desire to see what? Our children be what? Saved. Okay? Uh, Romans 1114 14. I'm going to read this real quickly. Okay? Uh, I'm not going to go into the details just for the sake of time. It says, If somehow I may be moved to jealousy... If I might move to jealousy, my fellow countrymen have saved some of them. Romans eleven fourteen. 14. It's two chapters later. Paul says what? He wishes for them, believers, to be saved. So that even when he's ministering, in verse 13, the context is saying he's reaching Gentiles, right? The church in Rome, people in Europe, people in Turkey, modern day Turkey. He's reaching all kinds of people. Even when he reach others, he's hoping that the Jews will look and be just, hey, how come it's working in them? So that they would even be what? Saved, okay? So do you see the desire to see other people saved? Again, if this is a desire we should already have for others to be saved, how much more so should we desire our own kids, right? It would not make sense. If you said, "Oh, I want, you know, I want to go out to, I don't know, Pasadena State College, UCLA, uh, to do missions in Mexico or whatever else." Want all these people to be saved, but then your own kids, what? You would not care about their salvation, okay? So his application, when was the last time you thought about the salvation of other people or Christians? Right? Uh, I'm not saying necessarily you have to go out in the streets to evangelize, but even with what? Family members, friends, co-workers, and what? Even enemies, okay? Secondly, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? When was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? I almost feel like calling someone out oh, to ask that. Uh, by the way, uh, Andrew... Uh, uh, Andrew so You know Andrew When he preaches He actually calls You guys remember You guys kind of remember Andrew uh, Calling you up So Andrew When we were He was teaching this one seminary In an uh, unknown country He just randomly was teaching Right And he says like He went up to someone What was the last time You beat your wife And the guy was like um, Last August And Andrew was like You know When I heard the story was everyone's like How did Andrew know But when Andrew told me This story like Dude, sometimes you don't know in this country what what it is when you say things, you you find out things, you know? Uh, Like, I was just using it as an example rhetorically, and now we've had this counseling case going on, okay? So, let's go back on with this, okay? When was the last time you talked about, uh, share the gospel with somebody, okay? So I'm not going to call anyone out asking that, okay? When was the last time you thought about your own kid's salvation? Sometimes we worry about their behavior, we worry, behavior, uh, sorry, I'm just pointing in general, I'm I'm just in general, Uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> okay, you know, sometimes we worry about their behavior, right? Uh, we're worried about whether or not, you know, they have running de- uh, you know, running nose and it's getting out of their face and their clothes and stuff like that. But when was the last time you thought about their salvation, okay? When was the last time you thought about their salvation? And when was the last time you shared the gospel to your kids, okay? Let's go to reason number three. All parents should desire... Oh, gee, gee. Oh, hey. <laughs> but we can get to you. Okay, reason number three, uh, all parents should desire what's best for their kids, right? All of us want the best for our kids. Who here is already thinking about what their uh, their college for their kids look like? Oh. Who here wishes their... Well, I know that's a... So str- you know, that's <laughs> a very stressful thought. Just thinking about it. a college part, right? Like, in my mind, I think, oh, I would like one of them to go to UCLA. Then I thought, like, oh, you look at Nathan Chow. He's a salutatorian. How did he not... What, what? What? Like, oh man, like, I want to tell our kids, like, please don't write down, mark down Asian anymore, right? <laughs> to private college, right? Okay? Your last name yeah. it away. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, who here thinks about that? Anyone here? Now, I gotta admit, when I see UCLA outfits, I kind of look at, and I kind of wish, wouldn't it be nice if our kids were that, right? And wouldn't it be so even more nicer if they actually went not there, right, okay? I never had any UCLA school pride until I, I became a parent. <laughs> I that to be honest with you, okay? So with all of that is to say, right, what's the be- you want the best for your kids. But turn with me to Matthew 7, 10, 11. Nancy, would you be able to read, uh, Nancy Lee, would you be able to read uh, Matthew 7 versus 10 11, okay? Not to be confused with seven eleven. Yes. No, you. Actually. Uh, okay, Abby, you can, you can read it. Oh, wow. A uh, big girl voice, okay? Or she asked for a fish with two and six. Serpent, if you then be, be evil, knowing how much, know how how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who is in heaven, give good things? To those who ask Okay, good, okay <laughs> Read this verse, okay In the context, Jesus is talking about asking and seeking God For things in prayers, okay But then Jesus gives a human analogy That people, do they know Do they desire what's best for their kids? Yeah, he gave two analogies, right If someone asks for a loaf of bread or fish Would they give, instead of a loaf of bread, give stone? Is that good parenting? No Even the kids say that, right? If a kid asked for a fish, would they give him a serpent? Unless it's like sushi or whatever, right? No, you're right? It's no, right? Okay? Or, or food. Um, with that, okay? So here we see, right? Jesus makes this point to drive the point home. That if people that are evil knows how to be good, their parents how much more so for God. But here we want to make another application from this. Is this, right? Even non-believers desire what is good for their kids. True or not? By the way, some people want their kids to go to good college so much... They're willing to do what recently? Bribe. Bribe people, okay? Bribe and, Bribe and lied and and everything in between with that, okay? Now, that desire, okay, the means could be bad. But the desire, the goal is sometimes good. But how much more so if we're Christian, do we desire what's the best thing for our kids? What's the best thing for them? Is to actually know who? Know the, the gospel people. and Jesus Christ, right? Um, to know the gospel and what? Jesus Christ. Okay, let's turn with me to Proverbs thirteen, verse twenty-two. Uh, Rebecca, did you want to read that? Proverbs thirteen, twenty-two. Rebecca, is that okay? Don't worry. There's enough verses for adults. <laughs> <laughs> Proverbs thirteen, verse twenty-two. Big girl voice. Okay. Yeah, so here we see that Is it a good thing to have an inher- give inheritance to your kids? But is this even said to what? Not just children, to so who? Children, okay, children, okay? So giving inheritance is good But what's the big best thing we could ever give as what? That we want to hand down to them I think is the most precious thing of all Is the gospel, right? Oh, it is the gospel, okay? Uh, in light of this, as application Have you parented a way that's best for your kids for life? Not just here on earth but even for the future, right? Have you parent them in this way? If you are parenting your kids for their good on this life and not the next, I think you're not keeping eternity in perspective, okay? By the way, I think a lot of even our uh, marriage problems and work problems is also when we lose focus of what? Eternity, okay? Uh, you realize as Christian, our biggest problem has been dealt with? You guys realize that? Our biggest problem, when we're in heaven, whatever problem we go through now, when we look back, we will be like, okay, I'm so glad our biggest problem has been taken care of. Okay? So as Christians, we are people that have our biggest problem being taken care of. And that makes what? Every problem interpreted that way very differently. Okay? In fact, in light of our eternity being fixed, that's how we also have the desire motivation to fix our problems even right now. Okay, uh, So uh, in light of this, uh, we need to, uh, if we don't practice uh, gospel-centered parenting or gospel-driven parenting, you might not understand what's the best thing for your kid is. Actually, you might not even understand the value of the gospel, okay? So if that's the case, if you don't understand the value of the gospel, this is the time to really say for next year as a New Year's resolution, hey, I'm going to really study deeply the gospel, what God has done for me. What's two good books in the, Old, uh, in the New Testament to read about what God has done for us? Book of Romans, and I think Ephesians, okay? I mean, all of them, okay? But those are two good places, okay? Uh, then drive to work, listening to John MacArthur. Him going verse by verse through Ephesians or something like that, okay? Where you could just redeem the time and still have time for our family when you guys come back from work, okay? So in light of this, uh, let's go to reason number four. Jesus does not want us to hinder... Children coming to him. Turn with me to Matthew nineteen fourteen. Nancy, would you be able to read Matthew nineteen fourteen? So we're in reason number four now, okay? Okay. So here we see here uh, Matthew nineteen fourteen. Um That in the context, there were some disciples rebuking children, going to Jesus. Because they were thinking in their mind, well, Jesus has more important things to what? To do, okay? But notice Jesus then rebukes the disciples. Isn't that pretty ironic? They're rebuking them for the sake of Jesus. And now Jesus rebuking them saying, hey, um, you didn't let them come to me, okay? What what does he say? Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. (coughs) But then he teaches a spiritual principle in the second line, verse fourteen. This is the second, uh, the the principle in the second line. It says, "For the kingdom of heaven belong to such as these." Now, if Jesus says the kingdom of heaven belongs to kids, we should also have the same attitude of our own kids. True or not? Okay, we should be like, "Oh yeah, we are all about VBS. We want kids to know about Jesus." But what about our own life, right? With our kids in a day-to-day uh, living? Life experience, okay. Uh, living day to day life experience, okay. So as application, I want to ask you guys this question: Are you hindering or you're helping your kids to know Jesus? It'll be even more funny if I ask the kids, like you know the Andrew thing about asking, you know, hey, when was the last time you you know, like if we ask our kids, are we hindering or helping our kids to know Christ? Hopefully, it's to help, not to hinder, okay. We can hinder, so I want to go out as application and think about what are some ways we can hinder, hinder our kids from knowing Jesus Christ. I would say number one is being caught up with our own selfishness, right? If you're selfish, you're probably not being able to share the gospel. Or if you do share the gospel, it's for your ulterior motive to be able to control your what? Kids, okay? I'm going to say this even though this is recorded. This month, I was actually dealing with one of our church kids whose parent was very, very manipulated, was using everything about church, was asking me always to talk to the kids. It's only for their ulterior motive. There's, n- there's no one here, okay? There's not anyone's kids here, okay? And that person messaged me in another country, saying, okay, I have this issue. But as I was talking, and I realized that person was like, didn't want me to say anything about Jesus Christ. And it's just, in the end, was like, hey, Christianity is just used by what? To manipulate me to do what is right. And I would actually agree with this child's assessment and that person's parents so-called responsibility there's no spiritual when i talk to them about spiritual there's no spiritual pulse it was always to use to what control okay so if you're selfish when you share the gospel it's not really the gospel it's therapeutic moral theism it's telling them what to do you must obey this or else god is going to discipline you which is true but it's deeper than that right another way you could hinder is hypocrisy right hypocrisy Materialism General parent, parental neglect Or neglect to share the gospel with them Okay Or not even going to church Or not even practicing gospel-based discipline Okay We'll talk about that in two weeks No, no two weeks Two months from now, okay We'll talk about the discipline you Remember I was talking about young know, nagging kids Actually, I think uh, we have to lay two foundations down Before we finally get there, okay So that's where we can neglect, okay We can neglect in that way but Jesus says, Hey, he does not want us to hinder people coming to him. And sadly we can do that. Okay? Reason number five. Reason number five, what is reason number five? Uh reason number five uh is what? That might be the neighbor's call. No, I you. Oh. oh okay. Okay. So what is reason number five? Someone read it out loud? little kids is a serious penalty. Yeah, okay. Again, this is Jesus. Actually, if you read the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks more about hell than any other person, right? And He talks about penalty. Sometimes we like to reinvent Jesus to look like what? Someone that will hang out in, what? Woodstock, 1969, right? A cool hippie. But that's not what the Scripture teaches here, okay? Matthew 18.6 says this, But whoever causes one of the little ones... Who believe in me to stumble It would be better to have A heavy millstone Hung around his neck And be drowned in the depths of the sea Okay In the context Jesus is talking about children In verses 1 through 6 Okay No, no Okay He's talking about children And in here the scenario is this One of the little ones Who believed in Jesus Are stumbled Okay 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 uh, what happened? Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, was that what happened? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. 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 We'll pause here real quick. For remedial action, which is important. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Ma- Matthew 18, uh, 6 Shows that, right? And how serious is it, hey, the penalty? Hey. He says here this, uh, How serious the penalty is what? Uh, it would even be better to drown Okay? Drowning is a horrible way of dying, yes? It's a horrible way of dying But you know what's worse than drowning? According to scripture is a penalty for stumbling kids, right? Uh, so as an application Are you stumbling your little one? Or are you helping them to come to salvation, right? Second application question, do you know what your sins and temptation is that could cause your children to stumble? Now, let's raise our hand, all of us raise our hand, and point to our hearts. We all have something, something that can stumble our kids. Right? Every one of us has something that can stumble our kids. You guys realize that, right? It's not a question of if, it's a question of what and when, okay? So in light of this, I think we need to know what our weakness is. Some of us might be out of control when we're angry. Now there's a place for discipline and to be angry, righteous anger. But some of different things, does that make sense? So we need to know what they are, okay? Or sometimes it's just even uh, also that we're lazy to even do the right thing all the time, okay? So we see here, in light of this, uh, do we stumble them or do we lead them to know And the greatest sin is what? Unbelief. And how much more so is if we do not share them and parent them and discipline them for the sake of what? The gospel, okay? Reason number six. What's reason number six? <coughs> reason number six now in the outline. Anyone want to read that so you can catch my breath? It is so important believers are called to continue to be married to unbelievers for the sake of children's salvation. Yeah, okay. So you guys realize how important the salvation of your children is? you guys ever hear people say, you know, I need to leave. My marriage is difficult. Right, and then some people would maybe more in the Asian community we stay for the sake of our kids and to save face, right? But it's important to also stay even in a difficult marriage for the sake of who? The kids' salvation, okay? Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter seven, verse twelve to fourteen. Victor, if you might be able to uh, read, if, if, if possible, um, uh, is that okay? When do you skip you? Just because you have a handful. Of oh yeah, no worries. Okay. 1 Corinthians 7, it's verse 12 Bible. to 14. 1 uh, Corinthians 7, verses 12 to 14. To the rest I say, that I, but the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live, yeah. me we should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband with an unbeliever and he to live with her, she should not divorce him. For them unbelieving the husband is made holy because of his wife, and an unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Yeah. So in this passage here, right, uh, it reveals what? That this is talking about people should stay married to an unbelieving spouse. This is a situation where whatever situation... They're non-believers before they are married Or Even if believers are already married to non-believers Now I don't think believers should marry non-believers But if it happens when they're already married They are already what? Married We shouldn't go and break that marriage That would then would be a sin Okay So in line of this it's saying Hey believers should stay Verses 12 talks about the husband should stay When there's an unbelieving wife Verses 13 then says If the unbelieving uh, husband is married to the wife the believer They should also stay Paul could have just said, hey, unbelieving spouse should stay. But instead, he does two verses because he really wants to emphasize what? They should stay. And then in verse 14 tells us the reason why. One of the reasons is what? So that the unbelieving spouse might be what? Saved, right? You guys see that in verses 14, the first line? For the unbelieving husband, I'm reading quoting now, unbelieving spouse is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified <laughs> through her believing husband, right? For what's another reason? The other reason is what? It says, otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. I think this is referencing to what? Salvation. By the way, the Bible never teaches a second-class holiness, okay? The Bible does not teach people could be a second-class holiness. There's only one class of holiness. That's all through who? Jesus Christ. So I think this is referring to what? That kids would even be saved, right? Kids would even be saved if you stay in. And be a godly light and marriage, okay? Now, I know sometimes, and I hear this, okay? Some people say, you know what? Maybe it's better to get a divorce. Then I'll be a more godlier person. And then my kids would see a better example I am. But do you guys think that really works that way? What do you guys think? No. You've broken the marriage. And then you're going to think you're going to be a good example, right? That's almost like saying someone is patient. You ever meet someone that he, they never talk to anybody. And they think they're very patient. Well, you never see their impatience because they never talk to anybody, okay? Until they deal with people, then do you see how patient or impatient people are? So, same way, also, as well, we need to be for the sake of parents' salvation, kids' salvation, okay? We now go to our final reason. Our final reason is what? God wants kids to even silence the mockers, okay? Turn with me to Psalms 8 2. Psalms 8 2, if you guys could turn with me to Psalm chapter 8, verse 2, okay? It says, this, it says this. For the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strengths because of your adversaries, to make the enemies and uh, the enemy and the revengeful cease. Okay. So here it says God's plan is also to use what? Kids to silence who? The enemies of God. Okay. So the way we silence them is what? They will speak truth. Okay. Do you ever see this actually work? Yeah, turn with me to Matthew, 19, verse, uh, Matthew 21, verse 15 to 16. This is the ministry of Jesus, okay? Verse 15, uh, I'm going to summarize real quick for the sake of time. The scribes and Pharisees went to Jesus and they're complaining. Like Jesus, these guys, all these kids are calling you the son of David, right? Basically saying you're the Messiah. And Jesus says what? Obviously the uh, religious leaders didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And then... They went to Jesus to say, Hey, silence them. You're not the Messiah. Could you tell the kids they're wrong? And Jesus says what in verse 16? He says to them, Yes, you have... uh, Do you hear what the kids are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Yet you have never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself. So what is God saying here? Jesus is saying here is, Jesus Christ, God uses kids sometimes to believe and therefore be alive. Okay? I like uh, Nancy's mom's story about when she was younger. Uh, yes, if you guys know Nancy's mom side of the family is uh, a lot of them are Catholics. Oh, gonna, yeah. So Nancy, uh, so as they went over and you know hard to evangelize the family sometimes, especially when they're hardcore Catholics, right? Like the whole hardcore kind, right? Then Nancy's younger sister Michelle one day just asked about the crucifix. Like we believe that Christ died already on the cross. Why do you guys still have that, right? Why do you guys all, all this, nuts? So then what? Everyone was silent Right So they could be used As a light Okay uh, Sometimes you don't train it. Even my own daughters <coughs> do. I don't go trial. Hey you go evangelize So and so Right But then all of a sudden They'll also share With my What My own mom Sometimes i would say Why do we do this That's not right Or whatever else it is Okay So in the same way is that, and, you know, I'm like Look silence is like I'm not stopping them But at the same time I'm like, Oh wow That's pretty powerful But I'm not like You know Actively with that So in the same way God uses that To silence mockers Okay And God uses that so there's a place for, so God, in order to use that, also God, there's a place for kids to be saved. So that's another reason why. By the way, in light of the fact there's mockers as application, will we teach our kids, by the way, these kids, in order, in order for these young ones to say Jesus Christ is the son of David, that means someone taught them Jesus Christ is the son of David, yes? That means someone taught them what does the son of David means. Probably more than us today. Sometimes, for some Christians, doing hear Son of David isn't that important. But for them, that's a the title of the Messiah. Okay? So, will we also teach our kids about the Messiah? Will you teach them very young? Because this ver- passage says what? Infants and nursing what? Babes. Okay? Will you teach them very young? By the way, this also teaching the reality of the fact that God uses them to sign mockers. That we must never forget. There's a real, we live in what? There's a real spiritual warfare going on, right? Like Let me ask you this question. Is there spiritual warfare going on in our life? Do you guys feel it during the week or during the month? Yes. Different things, the struggle to be faithful, <laughs> the pull away from the focus on God from all our media and social media? Yes. So are, how, what are we doing to prepare for our kids for spiritual war, right? What do we do to prepare our kids for spiritual war? Do we teach them the truth, right? Do we teach them the spiritual truth of the gospel, right? And what is the gospel? I think we'll end with this note. What is the gospel? It is this, that all of us are sinners. We deserve hell, yes? But God loved us so much, He sent Jesus Christ, who is actually fully God, becoming fully man, adding the humanity to Himself. And in His humanity, died for our sins. And three days later, He was raised from the dead with a glorified body to say that He has conquered death, The power of death, the penalty of death, and also saved us by the power of God, by the power of His grace, if we trust in Him. That is the gospel, right? And we need to have that, okay?